If you live anywhere in the Rancho Cordova area, every year in late September, you will hear the roar of jets above your head. If you live anywhere near Mather Air Force Base, in late September, you will definitely hear the roar of jets above your head. And that's because every year, one of the largest air shows in the United States happens right here in our city. And that's the California Capital Air Show. On this week's episode, we are delighted to speak with Darcy Brewer, the executive director of the annual California Capital Air Show. We had a great discussion on how this event is put together every year, how the event originated, and exciting plans for years to come. My name is Charles Lego, and now let's go to Darcy Brewer. Darcy Brewer, Executive Director of the California Capital Air Show, welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast. Thank you so much. So Darcy, we have been trying to get you here, I think for three years. <laughs> when I first met you, I believe it was before the pandemic and we were gonna do something with the air show. And then of course the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and then you didn't go that year, 2020. Right. 2021, I don't think you did either. We did. You did. We but flew it was... in 2021 at a reduced gas capacity right. of about 50%. Right. And then last year, of course, we briefly met. So now I'm delighted that you've joined us because I'm very fascinated by air shows in general. <laughs> Me too. And um, when I first came to uh, to uh, Sacramento from Palm Springs, where I lived for 20 years, mm -hmm. One day I'm here in the office and I knew nothing about the air show and it's like, vroom, and these planes get really low. Yes, like, they do. They were right. Like I looked up and it was right. I could almost see the pilot. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start at the very beginning and tell us not about the air show because we'll get into that, mm -hmm. but how the air show started. So the California Capital Air Show was not intended to be anything more then a one-day event on a rainy Mother's Day to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Sacramento County taking over the property uh, from the Air Force after the Mather uh, Air Force Base closed in oh, 1993. Okay. So it took 12 years to get there. So on their 10th anniversary of the partnership with the Air Force, because it took quite a few years after that for them to actually secure the property from the Air Force, its process, they decided, uh, uh, Sacramento County Department of Airports, with all of their community partners, decided to bring back a taste of what the base used to share with the community in its annual open houses where jets would fly to the thrill and, you know, uh, to, the, to the thrill and awe of our community. Uh, since this particular plot of land has served our nation and our region since 1918, and air shows have been happening under all different names since the 1920s. Um, so anyway, the director of airports at the time got together with, before the city of Rancho was a city of Rancho, with the community leaders uh, and you know the visitors bureau and all the people, the chamber, and said, let's do a thing and celebrate 10 years of a uh, process in operating this airport as a general aviation base and they had a little one-day party and they thought several thousand people would come out and boy did they 
about 25,000 people came out, which they had not planned on, wow. both from a traffic management yeah. standpoint <laughs> and all the things, concessions and services and restrooms and all the things that can make a good day great. Uh, and lo and behold, a team got together and decided that we should probably, due to the enthusiasm of the community, uh, the region, we should probably make this a thing. And 2006, it became a thing. It was all volunteer run uh, for nonprofit purposes, although the nonprofit wasn't in place yet. Uh, and they decided that this was something the community really wanted to see for a wide variety of reasons to an incredible demographic from one years old to 101 years old. Uh, and, and two years later, they decided they better get some staff and, and, and make and professionalize this wonderful volunteer run event. And they did. And they found me. So the first air show was just a static display. Nobody oh, flew. Nobody flew. They flew in, which was exciting. And what year was that? That was 2005. Five. Yeah. Oh, okay, so the flyovers that we see now, none of that existed. No, it so you it went... took a whole other year to get jets in the air, and the Blue Angels came in 2006, and it became a delightful chaos for this right. town, you know? So I went last year, and mm -hmm. it was the first time I'd been. And what struck me is the organization that must go behind it, because you have huge airplanes. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking to my, I'm walking around and there's a, and I mean, not only military planes, there was UPS and FedEx sure. and all sorts of things. All the different jobs you can have. Sure. Right. And then it was like little planes, like little mm -hmm. fighter planes from World War II mm -hmm. to huge cargo planes right. that the military uses today. So I said to myself, well, where do all these planes come from? Sure. So I'm imagining, right, that they all fly in for the air show. They do. So how do you coordinate that? So um, an air show takes, most people don't know this, and it's a really wonderful question that I rarely get. It takes about two years to plan each show. The, the requests for Department of Defense assets need to be in place at least two, two and a half years prior. Wow. And they're considered um, requests for different performers, um, representatives of that branch of the military, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Army, the Coast Guard. Um, and depending on ops tempo for whatever that branch of the service is doing and where in the world they're doing it, you're given an approval and it's contingent on what's going on in the world, you know, a couple no weeks war. before, yeah. right, so, yeah. whatever, humanitarian aid, right. or there's a lot of things that before people started going to air shows, I imagine the families of this community didn't know what service these agencies and, uh, and these different branches of the military, there's a lot of civilian uh, representatives too. But two years in advance, you have to request the military support, and maybe you'll get it and maybe you won't, because 400 people ask for that support, and about 72 are going to get it. So that's a process. It's a, it's a military support request process. We are also very careful, um, and I'll get into the logistics, which I think is what you're asking. We're also very careful that we don't build a show that looks like, oh, we like uh, warbirds, you said. World War II vintage aircraft, heavy metal, big round engines. You can feel them in your chest when they go by. They're the reason, you know, some might say we won World War II. Um, uh, 
we're very particular about who we pick and who's flying their aircraft because we want to tell a story about the history of this region. We want to focus on significant moments in time better, in, in my opinion, more like a movie, which you're familiar with, to show kids and their parents uh, what actually happened back then in a very theatrical way. So we've got the music and the narration and the sound and the pyrotechnics and the rumble of the engine and the choreographed flying. And it's all put together like a movie set to talk about the bombing of Pearl Harbor or the Berlin airlift or things nobody ever heard about that happened 75, 80 years ago in order to educate and and bring the emotion to the story because the degrees of separation from our attendees to someone who might have played a role in that time with Mather being here right. and McClellan and Beale and Travis is uh, it's not that great of a span. And I think it's important to to not only thrill and inspire everybody and give them this extreme sport and this unbelievable amount of entertainment, like being on movie set of a blockbuster film right, last right. summer, uh, but also to walk away with a better understanding of what it was like to be at a time that most of us have only read about, or maybe we saw a movie, but it wasn't like being in there. And when you're out on this field during an air show and and that theatrics comes to life, you, you really do take a step back in time. Then the performers stop and they take a break and you look out across the ramp and there's 204 acres of displays depicting what you just what right. you just saw and reactors uh, reenactors in in their uniforms and their costumes with their vehicles and and it's just wonderful. And so you can't was, see it all in one day. No, no, you definitely can't. Um, that was one of the things. Last year, I remember there was, I looked and there was a bunch of soldiers. Right. World War II uniforms. And World War One, yeah. Yeah. And they had their vehicles and it was just like being right back there. Right. On a, but going back to the, to get in all these airplanes, these sure. aircraft there. So the show is on Saturday and Sunday. Some and, years, and Friday. this year, yeah. Sometimes on Friday, we yeah. shake it up a little bit. We well, get a little year, creative. There was something going on Friday. I was there Friday, yeah. and I was there Saturday. Um, when do they start arriving, and how do you? Do? Sure. So, do you bring in? There, there's a tower there, right? There's a control yeah, tower. There's a control tower. So, do you bring in special air traffic controllers to manage the policing of these aircrafts in and out? We don't bring in uh, special controllers. The scheduling for staff looks a little different the week of the air show for both uh, NorCal Air Traffic Control, TRACON, and for the Mather Tower because they work in partnership, right? The TRACON guys see things, uh, people, guys and girls, see people really far out, and the tower gets them when they're you know coming in. Coming in. So there's a, there's a scheduling uh, to it, but it's not so many aircraft that, air traffic controllers couldn't handle it. So planes will start landing as early as Monday. Okay. The bulk of the performers will come in Wednesday and Thursday. We start doing safety briefings, emergency service briefings, FAA pilot safety briefings uh, Thursday and Friday morning. This year, with only a two-day show, um, we'll do pilot briefing. Um, and we'll do a practice show that's that's not open to the public on Friday, so that everybody is on the same okay. uh, plane, surfing so it's the like same a way. Rehearsal. It is a rehearsal. Yeah. And then Saturday and Sunday, we plan to knock everybody's socks off from twelve to four each day. Having organized events myself, nowhere near the size of the events you organize, but a, a book festival, for instance, <laughs> or a film festival. 
I know how many different pieces there are, but with your event, you are dealing with the military, yeah. with the police department in sure. a big way because you've got many thousands of well, people. We couldn't going. do it without them, but yes. You're dealing with the fire department because obviously that's the safety right Our there. heroes, yeah. right? Both airport I, fire and metro fire. And I would imagine Homeland Security plays a yeah. factor right there. Sure. So how do you do that logistically? Well, it's a little easier now, 17 years into our history, because there's continuity binders and there's leadership that sort of stay on right. with us and transition newcomers. Like we've had four public safety directors in 17 years. Okay. That's pretty amazing. That Most is. communities um, can't boast something right. like that. The sheriff's department and ranch court of a police department and metro fire and airport fire uh, sort of play. There's a unified command structure. Um, and they work together. They used to do a lot of tabletop mission training in preparation for being the gold standard for public safety here. It's they haven't gotten complacent by any means because the world has changed in the last 17 years and there's different things to look for. But they are so in tune with one another and so comfortable working together, whether it's OSI from the military or whatever they're looking for and how they position their people that I'd have to say it's one of the safest events I've ever seen. Yeah. And we are very lucky. And it's about this community. Um Bringing all the airplanes in and the aircraft and controllers, there are actually 52 agencies, federal, state, and local, that use this um, sort of as training on how you might work together if something bad happened, but they get to focus on something that's a very family-friendly, wholesome, patriotic event instead. And I think it's just good for everybody's training and good for everybody's soul just to watch how they work together. So this is a year-round job right so it is you, you don't like organize two months before this so, is all year so you, you start i'm glad you realize it the layer of complexity to to producing a two-day event um is probably you know it's not brain surgery or rocket science but but there's a lot of moving parts yeah. and it does take six months to yeah, to make sure that um, everything is exactly the way you want it, and it still never will be. And it takes about, uh, like, we start setting up for seven. So our public will enter the gates on September 23rd for this year, but we start setting up on September 1st. So you mean imagine making, making the uh, fence lines yeah. and crowd barriers, getting and the booths and all that in. 200 square feet of tenting and right. all of that sort of thing. Now, that goes in the last 10 days, but to prepare the grounds for that without impacting normal operations at the airport takes a bit of a dance. Um, organizing the warehouse to be ready with everything we need for 9,000 people in chalets and 30,000 kids climbing through the belly of a C-5 and and uh, 28,600 parking spaces and to make sure everything's swept and clean and perfect so we can deliver that top quality experience right. from, I mean, people don't think about it, but the, the job of an executive director or the producer of a film festival isn't necessarily thinking about, um, you know, the fancy jets. They're thinking about restrooms and trash service right. and, you know, stocking products and food quality and and with um, you safety must be a huge factor safety is the number one thing yeah. that we do right um but how do you produce this in a giant three thousand acre parking lot with right. no water and no power imagine that yeah you know? no i imagine it. we bring it all in so yeah. we basically build a city yeah. from tech literally from september 5th 
to when the when our valued guests come through the door, we're setting up, and then we have to break it all down within right. five days afterwards. Right. So when everybody goes home and they're basking in the fun that they had, we'll be cleaning everything right. up, tidying it up, and putting it away for next year. So tell us the organization. Um, obviously. Day of festival and leading sure. up, there's many hundreds of people. But like, what's the core team? Yeah. So the core team, we have two actual employees for the Capital Air Show Group 501c3 nonprofit organization. So two people. There's about a dozen contractors that come in to support in with a varying uh, uh, expertise areas, uh, varying areas of expertise. And then we have about 1,400 volunteers, and we all serve under the direction of a volunteer board of directors of about 18 people that are really smart and really connected and very passionate about what we do as, as it relates to the entertainment value and the gathering of people in a safe, wholesome, fun, exciting environment. Um, the fact that we get to honor our veterans in a very unique way by sharing their stories and experiences like you're in their movie. Um, but it all boils down to one thing, and that's are we educating and inspiring right. young people right. to to see things beyond their neighborhood or beyond what they're watching on TV or beyond what's in their classrooms, textbooks, and museums in a way where we have thousands of role models and 200 acres of of things that you normally can't see or touch in a normal day. Last year, as I say, it was the first time I'd been. I'd been to air shows before, but not really in the capacity that I went to your air show because I was there more doing things. And whereas, you got to be behind the scenes, yeah. which is a very different vantage point. Yeah. The one thing that definitely um, I realized very quickly is that it's an educational thing. It is. Above all. Right. You know, it's definitely entertaining. Sure. But there was a lot of kids there. Yeah. Which surprised me. How many kids? So we probably have um, the most. So there's about 350 air shows in the United States, about 400 in North America each year. And ours is very well known across the industry. It there's is? actually an air show industry as being um, a family event. Okay. Um, and that's our demographic is um, we have parents with kids that understand the value of exposing their kids to something different and seeing where the spark flies. So now we're going to get into how you got how you got to where <laughs> you are. But before that, on this show, and if you've listened, we love to get to know who we're talking to. Sure. So let's start off with Darcy. <laughs> tell us where you're from. Tell us about your parents growing up, where sure. you grew up and all that jazz. Well, like many others in this region, I was born in the Bay Area. And, uh, and migrated up to this area after my parents retired, uh, gosh, uh, over two decades ago. Um, I'm a pilot. You mentioned that. So I wanted to be closer to my parents. I'm the oldest of four siblings. So ultimately, many years from now, um, my responsibilities will look different. And I wanted to be nearby. So I took my little airplane and I flew around and I thought, well, my parents live in Roseville now, and they love it, and they're close to everything they want. I'm a little more of a outdoorsy type, so I flew around and landed in the foothills and decided to make my home there, where I have a small hobby farm uh, with apples and pears and roses and peonies and some miniature farm animals and some fuzzy dogs, and that's my retreat 
So Every day up, I get to go home. <laughs> so growing up, what, what did your parents do? So my father was in our family's auto parts business, and my mother was a homemaker. Okay. She said she had a career, but working in the cafeteria at school when my brother started getting himself in trouble was not a career, although I can't imagine a better investment of her time in her four children. Well, listen, coming from – I have uh, seven brothers and one sister, mm-hmm. so my mom definitely had a career, and that was – and I'm the eldest. Sure. She's looking after everybody, so that's a career. Right. A homemaker. So you went, you went to school where? I went to school in San Carlos. San Carlos, yeah. okay. Yeah. And, uh, did and you then like... went away for college, which I thought my mother was going to die. And where did you go? I went to Southern Methodist University in okay. Dallas, Texas. So how did you become a pilot? Like one morning you wake up, you think, oh, I'm sure. going to become a pilot. How well, does it work? I Yeah, so I think every pilot has a different story, and they're all a bit unusual. Um I had never been exposed to aviation, although I look up at San Francisco International or San Carlos Airport, big planes and little planes. Thought that was pretty fascinating. But um, when I was 17, a friend of mine whose uh, father had an airplane said, hey, do you want to go for this thing called an introductory flight? And I'm like, that sounds fun. So we went in a 1970s series Piper Arrow. Um as the design was so popular at the time, it was orange and had brown tweed interior. And I went for sort of a uh, informal flight lesson. And it's kind of an interesting story I rarely get to tell. And uh, I, my life was changed forever. I had a look on my face. My face hurt from the smile that went from ear to ear. And uh, it stayed that way for a long time. And I jumped out of the airplane. And, and how went, old were you? 17. 17. Yeah. Right, which I think is a great age to start flying. 16 is better. But I jumped out of the airplane, and there was, as as there is in many small airports, there was uh, more senior veteran pilots sitting in a lawn chair out in front of the terminal building and said, hey there, how'd you like that airplane ride? And I said, that was the greatest thing. I've ever done. And I. You weren't nervous or anything? No. No? Oh, gosh. I didn't start being nervous about anything until I was. Yeah. Much older, right. yeah. <laughs> you know. We're we're young, we're fearless, fearless and we're bulletproof, yeah. right? And right. gravity and Mother Nature have nothing has no say in what we do. I jumped out of the airplane. I told this man that I did not know that I was going to be a pilot, and he looked at me and he laughed and he said, um, "That's pretty cute. Girls can't be pilots, uh-huh. just so you know. And you have to be rich to own an airplane." As I'm getting out of this orange Piper Arrow with brown tweed interior, I'm thinking, I. How much could that really cost, right? right? And um, I think about him a lot now that I that I get the opportunity to be a role model to others. And I was angry with him at the time so much that my fists were clenched and I made marks in my hands with my short farmer nails. And, uh, and I think back now, all these decades um, ahead, and I think he was probably the most influential person of my youth. Right. Because I was going to prove him wrong. He didn't know it, and I'm sure he's not around anymore. But the fact that his perspective was so different than mine and his history, although accurate, uh, was not not current at the time and certainly not now. Um, I think about him with every intern that comes through my office and every scholarship application that comes through our office, and I think, you go, kids. Don't you ever let someone tell you no because – I made darn sure to prove him wrong and and didn't go into aviation as a career at the time, although I probably would have liked that. 
chose a different career field um, in college and when I graduated. But the minute I had the opportunity, I decided to take his words and use them for good for the last 18 years of my life. How long does it take to become a pilot? Well, that depends on the student pilot. Yeah. I mean, I've known local pilots that have gotten their uh, FAA check ride accomplished in less than 45 days when they truly schedule the time, read in advance before they go in and start spending time with an instructor in an airplane where it costs you by the hour and, you know, you're burning fuel. Uh, but what is I would it you're reading? Like, what would, so what it's a are, textbook like any other No, no, but what are you skill? studying? Are you studying how an airplane works? Are you studying... So there's, yeah, that's a yeah. really good question also I've never been asked. Yeah. You're studying how an airplane operates, like right. lift, weight, thrust, right. drag, the airplane mechanisms, what the engine, the equipment, the, the six-pack or the panel or the glass panel, whatever you're flying. I suggest everybody fly with the simplest aircraft, but that's just one school of thought. There are many. And you understand how things work and then how to make them work. So if you read a lot in advance, you really won't know what it feels like for that action and the reaction until you, you've got the yoke of an airplane in your hands. And then you're, you're pulling up and you're, you know, you're, you're controlling the airplane. And, and it's, for a, for a student pilot in their first flight where they're really taking the yoke, which is every introductory flight, it's surprising how, how much that airplane is designed to fly. You can take your hands off the yoke and put them underneath your so thighs. for those who don't know what a yoke is, is that the... That's a steering wheel. It's a steering wheel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes up and down. Yeah, yeah it yeah, does. Yeah. Side to side, okay. up and down. Use your feet too. Right, so there's right. a little more to think about. But, uh, but, but, but the basics of flying, which is, you know, aviate navigate, communicate, all of that comes in time. It doesn't come on your first flight, but it comes pretty quickly for the average pilot. I would say the time where you can land a plane on your own, where you are managing those three things, is only about 15 to 20 hours. Wow. So think about that. You yeah. look at an airplane, and then 20 hours later, you're flying the airplane with the instructor no longer on board. That's pretty fascinating. So it's almost like the actual act of flying the plane is the easiest part, right? It's like understanding navigation. Sure. Let me, let me as a layman, let me think, let me say what I think you need. Sure. So you need to know north from south, east from west, I would Thing. Well, it's a little easier here where we live in the valley because the mountains are on one side, the ocean is on oh, the other, yeah, and you fly up and down the valley, and that's yeah. north and south. So, and if you get lost, you look for the five freeway, or you look for, you know, it's called dead reckoning. You look down and you see something that's familiar to you, and wow. you use that to navigate. As that. It's as simple as that. Wow. I mean, it gets more advanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you're let off the leash a little right. bit, but it's as simple as that. You look down. There's a railroad track. You know that's near your house. You go home. Right. So. Um, so how did you get to be the head of the air show? How did that come about? <laughs> well, that was an accident for sure. Um, so what were you doing? So I was a principal in a flight training center in Auburn, California. Okay. I had decided that the first chapter of my career, I had peaked uh, in my mind and I couldn't grow anymore. Uh, I'm very... Um, I'm very intern-oriented. So even in my past job, I had interns that would spend summers and holidays with me. Turns out an intern who had grown up in my previous industry had done so well and could take it to the next level further than I ever thought I could. So, let me just so I gave it to her. Let me interrupt that. So you, you got into aviation then? That was your job? No, I didn't. No? So right out of college, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Oh. 
And um, I clerked for a law firm. I was a political science major, major with a journalism minor. Uh, so I understand a fraction of what you do. Uh, and clerking for the law firm, uh, I realized that it looked cool on TV, yeah. but um, my personality would not be a strength in that line of work. Right. And I probably would have ended up doing uh, pro bono work, social work, and I would have lived in an alley that rained 360 days a year, and I would have had nine cats, and that really wasn't where I wanted to go. It's not every you know, college students dream. So I just took a job to take a year off. I had taken my LSATs and I had gotten accepted into law school and found the funding because I came from simple stock and uh, took a job with a big company that uh, started flying me around and I never went back. Um, I ended up taking those skills, which made no sense whatsoever. And uh, many years of being a server in restaurants, which I think qualifies you for some sort of honorary psychology, sociology, right. uh, humanities degree. Everybody should be a sub. I totally yeah. agree with you. I learned so yeah. much paying my way through school, and I wouldn't have done it right. any other way. I took all the things that I knew. Of course, at the time, I thought I knew a lot more than I actually did, like many 20-somethings. Um, and I, uh, I, I worked for a major corporation in Midtown Manhattan, they flew me all over the world. I was with them for three, four wow. years, thought I had learned everything that Look I could, yeah. and went into the event business in Southern California okay. where I did international event management. I don't even know how I got there either for uh, for almost two decades for a few Fortune 50 companies okay. and several movie studios. So um, I was basically a server, <laughs> but we would bring in catering and wine and uh, you so know, we clear like, customs. Like parties, you mean? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, like, like uh, you know, America's up. Cup things or rap oh, okay. parties for yeah, film yeah, yeah. industry okay. folks. and uh, That's a good business to be in. Uh, you know, Olympics things for yeah. the corporations That's that wanted fun. to participate. So I ended up doing very complex, nothing as big as the air show, surprisingly right. enough. In fact, when I took the air show responsibility as the steward of this organization on, my friends in the event business in Southern California laughed at me and said, really, you're just going to do one event a year instead of 80? And and um, and it's it's still a, a, wow. a, a big uh, pie to bite into. So how did you get to head up the air show? How I did that come no about? Who idea. asked you? So at the time, the vice chairman of the air show board of directors was a local pilot, um, a former Navy pilot, and he was um, a customer of ours and had become a friend up in the Auburn Municipal Airport community. Uh, he flew a beautiful V-tail Bonanza, which is, you know, everybody has pinups. That was one of my pinups. Um, uh, and he said, hey, I'm on the board for this thing. It was probably... Uh, Early 2008, he said, I'd like you to come down and see what we're doing. Uh, so I came and visited as a, as a guest the March of 2008 air show. Blue Angels flew. It was exciting. It was windy. It was cold, and then it was hot. And and with my event background, I'm like, this. there's so many areas for improvement. <laughs> and I was looking at silly things that most people wouldn't notice, like the tent structure. And, and I didn't give... I didn't give credit at the time, not realizing how this thing got up off the ground and took off each year. I didn't give credit to the fact that it was a couple hundred volunteers that were doing their very best and taking time off work. And, you know, it was it was magical what they did with what they had. 
There was no funding at the time. It was it wasn't owned by anybody. It was just this wonderful accidental success. And um, his name was Sean, the vice chairman at the time. And he said, uh, what I didn't tell you after I gave him my very respectful feedback, not as honest as I could have been, but I said, hey, that's really cool. That's really important for this community considering the history of this community, right? This was the place that everybody came back from World War II and built a life. And, uh, and he said, well, uh, the submissions have closed for this job. They're trying to find somebody to, to sort of be the shoelace for this organization and take it to the next level. And, and I said, well, that's too bad. And he said, but I'd really like your resume and your background, um, your aviation background specifically matched with your event planner right. background. And, uh, and I'd really like to take it to the uh, chairman of the board and ask him to accept your application for this role. And I said, absolutely not. I am very happy where I am. And he said, listen to me for a second. He said, what do you do in your job now? And I said, well, I teach kids how to fly. I do career days in high schools. I do airport tours for kindergartners and first graders. Santa flies in in a T-6 Trojan from World War II and jumps out of the airplane for kids from, you know, varied backgrounds. I said, and I bring people out to hangars and I use them as classrooms. And he goes, great, that's exactly what we're looking for. Wow. And I said, no. And he goes, you get to talk to a few hundred kids a year right now and just the community where you live. Can't you take this on the road and have a bigger stage and do exactly what you're doing now with a side order of complexity and logistics and 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 talk to, you know, maybe 100,000 people a year? And I said, okay, I'll try it. And then I regretted it because there was no owner's manual to this thing. Right. And uh, it took us a few years. I, I made a lot of mistakes on behalf of these volunteers in a community who loves this and and we figured it out together, and now we're one of the top five civilian shows in North America. Wow! Partially because we have a really big airport that served our uh, that served for seventy five years as a military facility right. for most of its life, and part of it because we have a two mile runway with a weight bearing capacity that you can land anything that's ever been designed by man. And I use that as an educational tool. Oh, really? In Auburn, I used to say to the kids, "Hey, it was you know." less than a century ago at the time, that we were all looking up at the sky and wondering what it might be to fly like a bird. Now, 80 years, 90 years later at the time, and now it's been longer, we circumnavigate the globe in less than 24 hours without stopping for fuel, undetected by radar. Sometimes we're unmanned. We've gone into space and we did all that in a very short period very of time. Short. If that's not enough yeah. to get a seventh grader or a third grader to talk a little bit more about their science or their math class, then I don't know what is. Right. So go back to Mather. So anything can land at Mather? Anything. We were a diversion spot for the space shuttle. Wow. We were a B-52 base. If Travis Air Force Base calls us tomorrow and says, hey, Darcy or airport manager Larry, we need a spot to park 25 C5s, which is the largest U.S. Yeah, flagged yeah, airplane. Yeah. You could do that. We could say, no problem, come on over, plenty of room, wow. right? Um, you know, so we're a UPS about... hub where we, so yeah, many yeah. things happen there and nobody knows what happens inside the gates, which is why turning that airport into a classroom when the air show's not yeah. going on is so important to us. I agree. 
So tell us, uh, that's a great segue. So tell us about Mather today. What is Mather? Sure. What happens there? So your office is there, right? My office is there. Yeah. I actually uh, am a tenant with a 207, magnificent 207 square foot office uh, where the two of us share. Yeah. And it's beautiful, I yeah. might say, mostly yeah. because of our artwork. Um, and yeah. I'm in the Sacramento County Department of Airports Administration Building for Mather Operations. So I sit about 12 inches from the airport manager because it's very important that he keeps an eye on me because mm-hmm. I'm always up to something. Um, and uh, Mather today uh, closed in 93. Yeah. Um, and it's been resurrected into a general aviation airport, but it has a lot of different services it performs. The Army Guard is there, and everybody's like, oh, my goodness, those helicopters, they're making so much noise this summer. But when you see a pink X on that helicopter, it's performing a fire support service, oh, right? Oh, okay. So, um, I was going to – I've seen those. Oh, my goodness. With, they're so, amazing. So what does that mean, the pink X? It means they're helping Cal Fire or any oh, of the fire units. Yeah. Okay. Dropping buckets or doing wonderful things. I don't know if it was They it. all leave and they take water after an earthquake. They all – like the California Guard – uh, and they have several divisions and headquarters is nearby too, is just an amazing group of people. So it's an active it military is, base in it, essence. Right? It is. Yeah. It's it's a reserve base, but yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And they they do wonderful things in the community. They do wonderful things for the community and across the globe. Um, at the other end of the airport, we have air ambulance. We have uh, REACH, air medical. So when someone needs to be airlifted to a hospital from an accident or, you know, they're airlifted out of, they've fallen out hiking or whatever, then REACH takes care of them. On the other side of that, you have the baddest guys in town, which is the air operations unit for the Sacramento Sheriff's Department. You have Department of Justice. You have wonderful tenants. You have airport fire, which I don't think there's another fire unit anywhere. I'm biased, mind you. Anywhere else in the country that could touch these guys as far as their capability and their training. Let me tell you, uh, when I went to the air show, where we were stationed to take our footage, there was fire trucks there. Yeah. And one, I don't know if it was an, I, I think it was an exercise. He was showing what they could do. Right. This thing was bigger than a tank. Sure. But when it took off, yeah. I mean, it went, I mean, it sure. was the speed of this truck. Yeah, it looks like something. was incredible. It doesn't look like a normal fire truck. No. Right? That's airport fire. And those are amazing well, vehicles. There? Yeah. Obviously, uh, they you are. have some there. Yeah, yeah. All the Department of Airports. And airports the Sheriff's have. Department, the helicopters are based there as well? The helicopters and their fixed okay. wing units are based there. Department of Justice, they used to have helicopters. They have other vehicles yeah. now. They used to, uh, are based there. UPS has an extraordinary yeah. operation there. And FedEx, no? No. Well, no. FedEx has feeders that comes in and out, but yeah. not as big an operation Fed- at this UPS, time. right. It might look different in the future, but UPS is expanding, um, and they're doing just – talk about it, a logistics. So if I take a parcel to UPS down the road here – yeah, and it's, it's going probably to going New out York. of a 757 or a 777 From right there, here. from yeah. Mather. Yeah. Okay. And the wow. people there, let me tell you, we never do a youth program, and we do a lot of them, without UPS's team coming out in full force just to sit on the ground and talk to kindergartners about wow. what happens. So think about this. Just a few years ago, you had all these wonderful children going to school, and their school might even be named after roles that that base has played in its long-ago history. And the kids didn't know what happened. Inside. What's the black plane? What's the gray plane? What's the white and brown plane? 
Now we've changed all that. Throughout the year, we bring on all different age groups, and we talk about the jobs inside the airport gates. And they're not all flying jobs, but they're all rewarding jobs, right. and they're all jobs with great benefits. And so we expose kids to people they might think are cool and want to follow in their footsteps. There's maintenance there. There's fueling there. There's yeah. all kinds of So it's still things. a very active base. It, it I, I mean, a, a very active airport. It is. Yeah. Very much so. Is there people in the, in the tower all the time? Uh, they're in the tower a little over 20 hours a day. Yeah. So okay. they do take a little nap and then yeah. they come back. Uh, but they're really to support the, the heavy activity, which is global jet service. Um, charters and private aircraft come in and out all the time, uh, UPS, and then the agencies that operate out of there. And the one thing, um, you have these huge planes that are parked there. Now, you see sure. these military planes on TV. The most, um, the most high-profile one was when the Americans left Afghanistan, and there's yeah. those famous pictures sure. of these big cargo planes taking off. Sure. Well, you have those parked there, right? We do. And you can not, get in. Yeah, not only at the air show. Um, no, that's what I mean. At the air show. Yeah, at the yeah, air show, yeah. we have them all. So right, right. those are. And you can actually, and you look at those planes in normal times. And, and they look so much bigger in real life, don't right. they? Right. But you also think, I wonder what's inside. Sure. Well, then you can actually go inside. You can. You can see. even go in the cockpit and see. You can. Yeah. I did. I did that. Yeah. And you can get into the UPS planes. You sure can. And the. I you can you can turn them into your bowling alley. They actually show you exactly what their operations look like. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. A, no, no. Listen, I. I was blown away by this. And you like, will feel you? very small standing next to yeah. any of them. And in Rancho Cordova. Right. right? <laughs> um, so now let's talk. Uh, well, I want to go back to the pilot. So you still fly a plane? I do. Although it's funny, um, as you can imagine, I do a few interviews every year, usually just like one week a year, right. really. Um, and people are like, oh, all the jets. Do you fly jets? And I, I never had an interest in jets. No. I like to watch them. Right. I think they're fascinating, but my type of flying doesn't require a runway. Right, right. The flying that I love the most, you either have floats on the bottom, skis on the bottom, or really big tires that look like, you know, huge chocolate donuts. So you can land in the water, one of those and planes? I do fly seaplanes. Yeah. I fly planes on tundra tires, and I wow. fly planes on skis. Not not as good as the skis. because. But what, but what does it mean that you're a pilot? Does it mean that if you want to go to L.A. today, you yeah. could get on your plane and go to L.A.? Sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I would be very careful about what airport I selected, not to be a nuisance to LAX, but yes, absolutely. Wow. I, if, I, if I was off and it was a beautiful day and I wanted a really good burger, I would fly to Airport in the Sky in Catalina and I'd be back for dinner. Wow. And have a burger at the so, airport. So can I do this? Could I say, hey, Darcy, I need to go to LA next week. I have a really important meeting and you could take me? Legally, I could take you, but to, but I couldn't take you legally uh, for a fee. That would be a charter. So, yes, oh. as a friend, I oh. could take you there. And I could take just, you anywhere. Go to Santa within... Monica Airport? You yeah, land? Santa Monica's okay. I might pick a different airport. But, yeah, Santa wow, Monica Airport is that's fine. That's pretty. Hey, we need a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Getting to L.A. in two and a half hours with no traffic whatsoever. Is that how long it takes? Is a mu in, in a slow airplane that I fly, yeah. Sure. Two and a half hours? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is so. So you fly over the grapevine? Yeah. It's wow. not, not much to fly over in a plane when you're – depending on the altitude that you oh, go okay. down. And the altitude depends on the winds. Well, that is very cool. Uh, and and the last question, though, because it fascinates me. So let's say what with the plane that you fly, yeah. what's the furthest you could go? Well, you could go all across the United States no, and down I mean, into the Caribbean, no, but I wouldn't. 
but you could have it, to stop and refuel, right? Sure. So every, in one jump, what's the furthest? You five, could well, my fuel capacity is about five and a half hours, but I wouldn't push it that far. No. And plus I would have to, you know, stop for a So you could go to Palm Springs. Oh, easy peasy, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought about flying to Alaska, which is my favorite place to fly. Right. In something I have access to, not my airplane, because I, I was going to take a twin engine up there. But but it just didn't pencil out in the amount of fuel it would take. And I, in my job, I just time I'm, – I'm careful with my time. So I, I filled up my car yesterday. Sure. And I have a Mercedes, so it's premium fuel. Sure. And it was like – I don't know how much Probably cost about the same as it costs to fill up my airplane. It does? Yeah. Wow. Only I can go a little farther. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is very cool. Avgas is higher now per gallon than it has yeah. ever been in my lifetime. So it's like comparable to a but car. But it's still a couple hundred yeah. dollars to fill up my plane, and okay. I can go to L.A. in two and a half hours. Wow. Okay. Depending on the winds, of course. And very last question. I decide today that I want to fly. How sure. long is it going to – I mean, I'm a little older, so maybe I'm a little slower. Maybe these guys will pick it up quick. Yeah. But how, um, so, how long would it take? So like – we started to talk about that. Some people do it in 45 days. It's more common to do it in six months. Some people, it takes them years because it's a dream and they've got a family and a job and they're teaching soccer. Right. Um, so it's a written element, I would think. And then well, you need a certain amount of hours behind the So the, the requirements wheel. go like this. You need 40 hours of dual instruction, depending on what type of school you go to. You could do it in less if you're at a university level, 141 school, you need 40 hours for the basic person. You need 40 hours of dual instruction. During that time, you're going to uh, get your medical cleared, which allows you to have a student pilot's license. It's sort of the same little card from the FAA. It says you're good to go. Right. You're going to figure out how to land that airplane on your own. You're going to take a written examination on your own, which is about 60 questions from a pool of about 1,600, and you figure it out, and and you won't you won't be able to answer those questions the same way when you take the test and pass the test as you would when you go to take that check ride. So it's like a driver's test when you get to that time where your instructor says, hey, you've accomplished everything. You've your night flight, your simulated instrument flight, your navigation. You've gone to airports, towered airports all by yourself. You've flown this number of miles on your own in, you know, in the plane that you're accustomed to on a solo endorsement. And now you're ready to take your check ride. And that's your driver's test. It's normally a full day with an FAA-designated pilot examiner. And the first half of the day is the oral examination. You know that you've passed that oh, oral so it's examination. Oh, they ask you questions. And if, and if you pass that oral examination, you move on to, to the, the practical flight. test, which is the flying. Okay. Which could go quick. Uh, and, and sometimes it takes a little longer, right? Uh, and then... More often than not, if you've gotten quality training and you've studied along the way and your instructor has believed in you enough because you can't go take that check ride and waste an examiner's time until you have an endorsement from your instructor saying, I, this, this student pilot has exhibited proficiency in everything that the practical test standards require from the FAA. So that 40 hours that's required, I know a handful of people who have done it in 40 or 45 okay. hours. The national average is 76 hours of training, and, and a good school will be somewhere in the 50-hour uh, training time. And, uh, and it goes by really quick. Yeah. The hardest part to flight training is starting. Yeah. 
Now we're going to talk about the air show. Sure. Um, but one more question. You're, you're sitting, you're going to New York on a, jet, no, no, on a commercial flight. Sure. And you hear, ladies and gentlemen, the pilot has had a heart attack. Are there any pilots on board? How many movies have right. had that written in right. the script? Could you get into that cockpit and land that plane? So I think about that all the time, never having been in that situation, but so many movies have. Right. And I think that... Even a general aviation pilot flying a Piper or a Cessna aircraft or something very simple is in a better position to understand that aircraft um, and, and, and has better odds than anybody else on board right. with the tower's help. Certainly more than me. They yeah. understand that an airport settles rather than right. landing. Because you would understand the air traffic controller guiding you down, sure. right? You would understand sure. the language. Yeah. The, the, the technology would be... Uh, something to overcome because there's a lot more buttons in a, you know, a triple seven right. than there is in a, you know, a Piper yeah. arrow yeah. or a decathlon or something. Um, but the, the lift weight thrust and drag and how an airplane settles itself on the ground safely. Yeah. Now it's not going to be pretty, right? but you got a better chance that, than anybody yeah. else on right. the airplane to get that thing on the ground. Oh, so now on to happier things. But all those airplanes have two pilots on board. So they do, yeah. for a reason. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the movies. Even Very corporate dramatic. jets have uh, yeah. of, of any great power yeah. or range no, have course. two quiet pilots on board as required by insurance. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the air show. So this year's air show. Yes. So tell us. Tell, well, first of all, the dates. It's coming up, right? September. September 23rd and 24th. And we can't wait. Right. So tell us about this year's air show. In your own words, give us the pitch. Sure. So this year, the United States Air Force Thunderbirds are flying, and there's not much like them in the air. They're, they're the grand finale for each day, and they will wow you. But leading up to that 3 o'clock launch time is going to be amazing. So a typical air show day, the gates open at 9 in the morning, and they close around 5 or when everybody has taken their last tour through the belly of a C-5 or a C-17 or... Uh, one of the refuelers or the big planes that you're talking about. The reason we open so early when we don't start flying, our opening ceremonies will start a little before noon, and we fly nonstop with no intermission and yeah. no nothing quiet right. for four solid hours. <laughs> Let but me the, tell you a story. Sure. I took these guys last year, and mm -hmm. I say these guys, the Raphael here, our engineer, and we were filming. Mm -hmm. They have never been to an air show. Wow. And never? And I remember not even to look up from the freeway. No, nope, I don't think wow. they have. And I remember, I don't know if it was Raphael or Jose. I think it was Jose the first Friday. Was it you? Friday? The play the jet, you know, you see the jet coming towards you, but there's no sound. <laughs> right. But I knew. And then it flew over us and the noise that it So was makes, it a black jet? Yeah. It was a U2. They were afraid. Spy plane. They yeah, were afraid. The dragon lady. They had never heard of Well, and you don't like hear that. it until it's gone exactly. by. It's crazy, yeah, those yeah. jets. Anyway. Yeah. So. You know that aircraft flies at the edge of space. It's a reconnaissance airplane, and it flies at 70,000 feet. So who's flying it is actually in a spacesuit. Yeah. I'm not Which sure. Which is fascinating I know, to introduce kids to. I know the plane to... you mean. I think it was the, I think it was the. The Canadian planes. Oh, your F-18. I think it was those CF planes. CF-18, yeah. Yeah, anyway. It's a Hornet, just like Top Gun, yeah. but Canada flies yeah. it. So so back to the air show. Yeah. So you open at 9. So we open at 9, and the reason we do that is because we have a lot of enthusiasts and a lot of fans that can't wait to get out there. But if they wait until later in the morning, 
then they're going to miss going through all those hundreds of acres of his displays right. because once we start flying, it'll flying. get right. you. Yeah. yeah. So if you come at noon and you're mesmerized by the jets and all the aerobatic performers and all the cool things you're that we're going to do, that. you're going to miss and then you're going to have to come back the next day, which we're totally fine with, right, but right. we'd rather use your time efficiently. Right. Uh, and make sure you experience as much as possible. The ramp layout is magnificent. One of the things we're most proud of, and some of that is because of Mather Airport, we just have so much space. But when you come out, um, you'll see all the big gray airplanes and you come through the gates and there's the smell of all the fun festival food and 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 all the exhibitors have an activity for your family or something that you can learn from or take part in or take home. Um, but we have an educational section, and you can always turn left going towards the C5, and all you're going to see is the clubs and the youth groups and the schools and the the programs that kids can get involved in, and they might not even know they exist. Right. On one side, you see nothing but educational activities right. that look like they're not educational. They look super fun. Right. And on the other side, you find all of... The military groups, so you think about Travis and you think about the C-5, right? You don't think about their medical units or their their robots or their dog training crews. or You don't think about all the different right. squadrons that make up a base of over 10,000 men and women. Right. And we get to show you that because, hey, if you're wondering what job you might want to have when you're no longer 10 and now you're 25, this is a great place to come shop and talk to the people and go, is that cool? Is that cool? Right, How right. do I get there? Right. So it's a giant career day. And no one knows it. They just think it's a fun festival, no, no. and it is. I remember there was, and as you're talking, I remember now, there was an area where they had all the police. Yeah, that's our agency area, and it's and a the, wild fish and game, Cal Fire. fire. And yeah. what was fascinating to me in these days of fires. Drones which, are back there now. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. But they had all the fire department air support um, sure. that put out the fires, you know, the yeah. big fires. Yeah. And you get right up to Those them. are Vietnam-era Hueys, by the way. We call yeah. them thumpers, and they're amazing. Right. And you can get in. I, I think you can get inside Metrifier. them. Metrifier. You sure you can. You can certainly put your you head in You can get in inside. There. You can get in the cockpit. You can meet the crew. And if you're eight years old, which you're not, yeah. you get a sticker. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it's- <laughs> The air show's so much fun. And people say, well, you know- I'm not interested in airplanes. And every time they do that and somebody brings them anyway, they find something that blows their mind. Right. And they love it and they come back. And then it's a very, it's a very, it's almost like a dance. It's a very choreographed event, right? Because right. Because you have the, the planes all flying towards each other and around. How does all so that So it is work? choreographed. Yeah. So we have an air operations director that comes from out of state. He's from Wisconsin. And uh, he's been here all 17 years. He has. And he's famous across the globe in our industry, not necessarily with the public, but if you ever meet him, you'll never forget him. And he choreographs the largest air shows on earth. Wow. Yeah. 10-day programs with 650,000 people. He's very accustomed to creating that movie set and making it meaningful, and we wouldn't do a show without him. And it's magical the way these, the way that airspace is managed is unbelievable and I'm, I'm honored that you noticed yeah so what are some of the highlights in 2023 that, that are do you have highlight or is it pretty much the same oh gosh it's different every, every year, year. Good. We, we, so, we try to get a grand finale that yeah. will leave people so last speechless. year was the canadian guys right that was the last year the they were like the stars. So, so what, what would you call those guys? We had F-22 Raptor. We had F-18s. We had all the Top Gun planes. We had uh, Growlers out of Whidbey Island. We had all of the single ship and two ship 
demonstrations that we could muster for a year. Uh, and last year, we brought back some of the civilian performers. We, we're really doing that again this year, but it's different performers. So when you look at our performer roster, and the highlights are going to be unveiled here in the next 10 days or so, um, you'll find that every year it's different people flying Is it airplanes. a secret until you unveil it? Yeah, so we keep surprises yeah, yeah, up yeah. our sleeve for course, sure. Yeah. We've, got, we've got things that Gotta are coming. those tickets. Yeah. Or we think are coming that yeah. we haven't told anybody Good. even the closest to us yet wow. because, A, if it's gray, we're not sure it's coming until it actually says it's on its way. Uh, and if it's... Uh, and if it's a secret, it's something you're working for to unveil, yeah, yeah. to keep it fresh and of keep course. it exciting and keep people no, I interested. I get it. I get we, it. We have an interesting program. So so this air show, um, as missionized as it is for the youth education program, also is highly communicative with its fans. So we have an air show insider program, and I'm okay. not sure you've seen it. So anybody who has opted in for free learns more about the air show before they get there than you could ever manage in eight hours of our gates being open. Okay. We talk about the pilots and what they're flying and what service that aircraft performed before it came to this air show or what, what it performs for the, for, for you know, globally. Right. We talk about that pilot that is the best of the best in the world. These are the best pilots on the face of the earth, military and civilian. Um, we talked about when they were 10, what did they imagine they would be and how they got there and what obstacles they overcame, what the videos look like, what the photos look like. So so you've got a relationship with the performers before you've ever come to the air right. show. And we start telling those stories early in the year, and our fans follow us so closely. Okay. So 50,000, 60,000 people know the whole inside right. story, the inside scoop so it's before almost they ever a, come in. It's almost a year-round event, almost. Oh, right? our communications are definitely year-round. Yeah. So that's a great segue for the STEM program that sure. you do. So let's talk about that. That sure. happens, I think, soon, the 25th of August. Well, we have the STEM Expo coming, but that's yeah. one of many programs right. that we've done But let's done talk about years. that one because sure. that involves the kids. You, you, the, the, the aim of that is to get kids to get into that field, right? Well, this... it's to answer their questions for yeah. sure. So this year's STEM Expo is a little different than last year's and the year before. We always have a little focus, uh, a little different focus, although we always take newsworthy, cool, fun role models in a wide variety of careers that are aviation, aerospace, and STEM, um, and we put them up on stage and we have a conference. And they talk a little bit about themselves and the jobs they do and the companies they represent. How they got into it. Mostly how they yeah. got into it and how they thought they'd never be here right. where there's they're on TV and getting newspaper articles written about them and flying all over the world to speak to, you know, executives and, and then students. And, and it's very personal. Um, and it really connects with the kids from every background you can imagine, just like our community represents. And where are right? the kids from? Are they from different schools? They're from all different schools. We work a lot with the Police Activities League. We work with different STEM programs. Um, we always have, we almost always have a waiting list for kids. Um, all of our programs are free. But this particular program is a three-hour conference. The first hour, we learn more about the people up on stage, the, the role models, right? And then we have a working luncheon with and 38 tables with table mentors that also have really cool jobs and very cool stories that they're very candid about with these junior high and high school students from all backgrounds, both of our table mentors, our speakers, and our students. 
Um, and then we have an Ask Me Anything conference. And the kids spend their lunch hour with their table host, their table mentor, their role model, working on questions. They're going to knock the speakers off their chairs, right? And the last two years have just been like we just didn't imagine going in that it would be that amazing. These wow. kids, if you ever wonder, if you ever spend too much time watching the news and you get hopeless, go spend time with these kids and you won't be anymore. Right. We're in really good hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they get to ask anything they want. And then at the end um, of the program, the kids get backpacks and credentials um, thanks to our sponsors, City of Rancho Cordova, County, Sacramento County Department of Airports, and all the ones. There's 93 other names that are valuable that we don't have time for, but they're certainly worthy of our time that make sure that these things get off the ground. The kids get backpacks and credentials to come back with their families and their siblings to, the to air spend show? time at the air show and, and, and sort of immerse themselves in anything that might have sparked their interest, whether right. it's drones or aviation or robots or... AI or any of the things that they talked about um, or sustainable autonomous aviation and what the future is going to look like. This year's focus is a little different because we've added the component, not just all the cool jobs are out there, but what those cool jobs and what our world is going to look like 10, 15, 25 years right. from now. Because quite frankly, if we've got a junior high student sitting in the STEM expo looking at this cool job, what's that job really going to yeah. look like? Yeah, yeah. Look at 10 years ago. Ah, listen. The world is spinning so fast yeah. it hurts uh, my yeah. head. Yeah. And the speakers that we have this year are here to 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 sort of give everybody a bird's eye view of what their jobs are going to look like. Right. We had Ami We had Ami Bear here uh, last week and I'm very interested in AI. Sure. And a friend of mine as a, he's a DP on big films, he just yeah. had a kid. Uh-huh. And I said to myself he's like 3 he's a month old. Life expectancies is going to get more, like sure. 80 years. Let's say this yeah. kid lives to, can you imagine 80 years sure. from today? Well, look, 80 years ago. Yeah, where we'll be. And even just the, I asked Army Bearer about AI because I know it's a it's a big thing now it, in And Congress. it's a big thing for him. Space yeah. and technology is a very big thing right. for Congressman Vera. How is that translating into the airplane world? Are planes sure. becoming robotic now? You don't need pilots? Do you know he has self-driving cars? Is there going to be a plane so, that just takes off on its own? Just well, that already happens. Yeah. So they're drones. No, but I mean the passenger, like well, you that's go to already Hawaii. happening. So there's 26 companies just in the state of California alone. Many over in, you know, in your valleys of innovation, right. San Jose and down yeah. in uh, uh, down in Palmdale, Lancaster area, that are already approved for the type of aircraft that you're talking about. The only thing that hasn't caught up to their technology is our airspace, our regulatory uh, bodies, our airports. So those aircraft, the flying cars, if you will, or the unmanned, uh, you know, just to name a few, Joby and Beta and uh, Opener or Black Fly, those aircraft, Google them. They're already out there and they're cool as can be. They uh -huh. can fly by themselves. They can fly with the pilot on board. So when you imagine, I always like to watch disruptors, right? Um, what Airbnb did to hotels or right. what Uber and Lyft did to the taxi right. industry. Um, so I think about um, what Uber and Lyft is going to look like. The technology and, and the operational aircraft are already there. But once we catch up as a society to what they're already inventing and, and proving is going to be fascinating. And it's not 10 years down the road. 
And that's why these STEM programs are so important. It is. To get the kids, to get them up. And free programs that support educators are absolutely important. Getting these kids out of the classroom and letting them touch things and making sure that it's free and making sure that I've got somebody in a stronghold to get buses or a sandwich or whatever is needed, that's really my glamorous job. (laughs) So another, how long have we, Raphael, how long have we been A long time. Um, another thing that's really important from your point of view, I know, is going to be volunteers. Sure. Because it's a, I mean, there's yeah. thousands of cars. How many people go? So like we've been, we've restricted our attendance the last couple of years, as you can imagine, but it's not uncommon for us to have 100,000 guests in two days. 100,000? We've had as many reported uh, at over 130,000. We park 28, we can park, and our parking lots have never been full. We can park 28,600 cars inside the perimeter gates at Mather Airport. Okay. So that's my point. Logistically, that's a huge thing. Talk about a dance and choreography. Now, when I. And we have virtually no traffic. Last year. No, there was no traffic. uh, 2019, which was a full capacity year, almost sold out. the parking lots were almost full, and the sheriff's department reported back to me 23 minutes after the gates closed. Everybody had made their yeah. way home. So here's the thing. So anybody who's like, I'm not going to go. I'm going to sit in traffic forever. No, that no. That doesn't no, no. happen. Well, remember- it was that way the first few years. It we was. were figuring out. But we made the mistakes, and we fixed them. But here's what I was very impressed with. Driving from where we are in Rancho Cordova, and I drove to Mather from mm-hmm. here. As soon as you start approaching Mather, you have people. It's all taken care of. You for have you. people all sure. on the streets, and they're flagging you, right. and they're way, and they're looking at your pass, right? It's called traffic management, and it's a beautiful yeah, dance. Yeah. No, that's, that's a ballet. That's yeah. a great testament to the organization yeah. of the event. Well, and be kind to them. And very few police. It was all your right. volunteers, right? Right. Well, yeah. we have quite the parking operation. Um, and uh, I will tell you, when it comes to volunteers, if anybody does wait a little longer at one of the intersections than they than they had hoped, which you compared to any other no. show of this magnitude, no, no, it's, it's nothing. But it's if nothing. you do, if you're having a bad day, uh, please put a smile on your face and put your hand out the window and thank those volunteers right. because it is hot. It is thankless. Yep. They barely get a break for a right. sandwich. I, I, we I take them water it. and yep. they're doing it. To support a nonprofit passion, and we love them. For- and they're young, right? Most of them are young. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them are young. Some of them are very wise. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're not so- usually in the parking lot. They're usually in hospitality areas where we can protect them under a tent because they're taking your ticket at the front right. gate and greeting you as our ambassador. So what's what's in the future for the air show? Do oh. you grow every year? Or do you are you looking to ex- sure. not not expand because you can't really expand? But well, we could completely expand. You Back can? in 1992, when the last air show took place at Mather Air Force Base under the command of Colonel Bob Martinelli, who is still here today working that air show. And in fact, he's here next week. Well, he's amazing. Yeah. So when he you start talking Mather, about right? he did, yeah, he did, and he is the reason that our show is missionized to have a pop-up museum every year, talking about history, talking about the history of this community and the world. And he is the reason we have a theme every year that is meaningful to the people who live in this town. Wow. 
Yeah, he's here with us a week today, actually. He's a smart, kind, yeah. humble, quiet, tough cookie. You're Colonel, right? Colonel. Yeah. 30-year servant. Yeah, I'll call him Colonel. I'll be very respectful. He's an amazing man, but yeah. but you got to draw that out of him. Yeah. He'll tell you he's just a volunteer at the air show. He does serve on the board of directors. Yeah. So uh, so tell us, how. what is your wish? So back in his day, they reported 250,000 people over two days. They wow. had 8,000 acres. They opened the gate. Huh. There wasn't the same threats. It was before 9-11, right. and, and people were kinder to each other, and there was less to look out for, and co the cost of fuel was significant. Like, you could just put on the dog, open the gates, and let everybody come out and enjoy what they helped to pay for. Wow. 250,000 people. Wow. So we haven't seen 250,000 people on a weekend, even when we've spanned three or four days. Um, uh, but we could. Yeah. Uh, it would take more logistics and more infrastructure, and it would cost more. But boy, wouldn't that be great! I don't know that it'll happen in my in in, in my career, but wouldn't that be great? But what's what's special about this show? It does continue to grow without sacrificing the guest experience. Shade, water, f yummy food, a great view, a tent if you opt for that. What's really special about this air show, unlike any other, is the show within a show and all the things that are happening while the air show is happening between 9 and 5. For example, September 23rd, Girls in Aviation Day. Internationally, 150 locations are going to take in 100, 150, 250 girls and do immersion tours throughout that day. Civil Air Patrol. Their mission training, Sea Cadets, Girl Scouts, STEM Center. I mean, all these different entities and groups and bodies of people and their families and their parents and their kids and their grandfathers all come together for 30 other things that are all happening at exactly the same time. So there's wow. the dance. Yeah. And it's a wonderful stage to do it because it's fun. So let's tell us, well, we know the date. So I'm sitting at home and I'm listening to this. Mm -hmm. I think this comes out next week okay. as we're sitting here. So tell us, how do I get tickets? Like, tell me the whole process. Let's so, get to business. So if you want to attend the air show, and you should, there's something for everyone yeah, in all ages. Yeah. You won't go away unhappy. It's right. affordable and it's easy. You log on. Yeah, And don't be afraid to send it in traffic. It ain't going to happen. It's, you know, you get, might have a little. I well, mean, there's 28,000 cars, but they don't all come at one time. Yeah, they come over five hours. And you're in and out. It was sure. flawless. Walk, getting in yeah. and out was flawless. Yeah. So everything you need to know is on our website, yeah. CaliforniaCapitalAirShow.com. Where to stay in a hotel if you're coming from out of town. What what the ramp map is going to look like is going to be up before this uh, podcast comes out. What kind of food you can have at each food court. Can you get a beer? Is the lemonade fresh? What kind of exhibitors are you going to experience is all available to you. Now, it's a lot of information. So if and, – and, and every different level of experience on the ticket uh, is all on our website. And you can purchase tickets on website. We don't even sell tickets on site anymore. That's a thing of the past for most events, right? You buy your ticket online. You show it on your phone when you come through the gates. You show it on your phone when you come through the parking gate and the admission gate. And it's easy peasy. Right. The beautiful thing about this air show, and it took us a few years to get here, is a general admission ticket is a magical thing to have in your hand. It allows you to experience everything on the ramp, the four hours of flying performances, all the displays. It includes your parking. It's simple to get. 
It's depending on when it you buy it. Parking? It includes parking okay. now. Yeah, we don't want our volunteers right, stopping right, anybody. Right, we right, don't right. want them touching anything. And we just want to wave you through. But the great thing about a general admission ticket, and you'll rem- and you'll be reminded of what our true mission is, it includes one adult and up to six kids age 15 and under. So a family uh, of two adults can bring 12 kids to the air show for free. Wow. And they don't even pay for parking. And they might need to bring some lunch money. That's it. But it's yeah. fun. It's like going to, yeah, yeah. you know. And it includes walking around all these airplanes. Right? And it's Getting all the in. displays, yeah. all the activities that are, you know, free for the families and the kids and the things that honor veterans and those performances. So tell me how you could even go to a movie for that price. Right. No, yeah. no, it's, it's yeah. So it's pretty spectacular. And then if you want to be fancy, you can get something else. I don't suggest it your first year. You can always look over the fence and see another area if you want to go into a tent that gives you a table and an umbrella and a and and catering. Those are fun things. But the majority of people come, they have a general admission ticket, and they walk away feeling like they got a wonderful experience that they're that that we didn't waste their time. They couldn't see it all in one day and they learn a little bit more. And they feel a little emotional when they walk out of the gates. Do you find people go Saturday and Sunday? I do. We learned that. We really started tracking it in uh, when we started doing the Friday drive-in air show, which was in response to COVID, but it really took off. We're not doing it this year. And the only reason we're not doing the drive-in air show and we've taken a little beating is just to give our volunteers a break from three long days. For one year, we plan on getting really wacky and creative next year in 2024 and and 2025, remember, we planned two years and in you advance. And you can buy a ticket for Saturday or for Sunday, Correct. or you can buy a weekend pass, right? There's not a weekend pass, no? but um, but it's pretty affordable, especially yeah. if you buy it early. Yeah. Uh, we have sold out the last two years at 50% capacity. This year, we're back to full capacity, so data says we might sell out again. Yeah. But that happens closer to the show, so everybody's safe. The earlier you buy... The more you save and you have a little money left over for ice cream. And then you finish, you take a little break, and then you start planning not next year's, but two years. Right. right? Well, uh, well, there's still things to plan, but it's not actually the performances. It's it's what are we going to do that's unexpected, that's going to make everybody go, wow. But how quickly do you get into full swing to plan next year? When does that? So it takes us about 30 days to wrap up this year's show. And... um, there's the so, industry works together to collaborate on what the following year looks like. So we have a conference with 2,000 people that all meet in one place and and share uh, lessons learned and uh, and success stories wow. and best practices and must be an new safety conference. equipment and, and all the wonderful things. And military and civilian all gather together in early December after we've got everything ready for next year. And we're like, here's ours. What's yours? And 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 we really work together. To make an amazing, safe, thrilling educational guest experience. Wow. So as we get to a close, and then if you've listened to the show, you know I'm going to ask you a fun bunch of questions. <laughs> so how does um, so we're the office, we're the film office for the city of Rancho Cordova. So yes, I work you closely are. with them. Yeah. So how does the city work with you? What's your partnership with the city? So the city was around when we were an idea. And the city didn't exist then, but the right. leadership right. was there. Right. And some of the same people same that were ones. part of the birth of this yeah. Linda Bodge, signature David event. Lind- yep, all yeah. were there, yeah. right? Um, and around t- uh, about 10 years ago, 
uh, and they always played a significant role. Our One of our past city managers was the chairman of this board for almost a decade and a driving force in it becoming more missionized and being able to serve more people throughout the year. That was Ted Gabler. And, uh, and every city manager since has certainly picked up that baton and taken it even farther, uh, including the current city manager who wants very much to support our, on behalf of the council and the residents, to support our educational mission and make sure that those programs are plentiful, meaningful, and free right. for the kids that go to school around here. But the city is our co-presenting sponsor with Sacramento County, specifically the Department of Airports, but the entire county gets involved um, because it's a county airport and it's a county facility right. and it's unincorporated part of Sacramento County. And it's a magical, mystical place that most people know nothing about. But it's surrounded like a hug by the city of Rancho Cordova. And that's where most of our volunteers come from. Right. So it's a wonderful partnership. And they share our logo. And they have since 2015. Yeah. Well, Darcy, Darcy Brewer, Executive Director of the California Capital Air Show. Thank you for being with us today on the Rancho Cordova podcast. So now I'm going to tempt you with our lightning round of questions <laughs> and see how you do. All right. So let's start off with what is one word others would use to describe you? Hmm. Energetic. I think after sitting here with you for an hour, I would agree with that. <laughs> what is one word that you would use to describe yourself? Hmm. Focused. I have a feeling I know the answer. I, I know where you're going to go with this one. If you could be a person for a day beside yourself, who would it be and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. The list is long. Um, just for a day? Just I wouldn't get straddled with the baggage of the rest of their life? No, I think <laughs> we just do a day and then you leave. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody like Charles Lindbergh or yeah. Amelia Earhart, which you probably imagined. I'd like to have been a pioneer and adventure in that way, but there was so many other things going on, and I like a simpler life. What Less is, of a spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Uh, lack of accountability. And then tell us something about you that few people would know. Um, You're pretty much an open book. You're a public figure, so to speak. Oh, yeah. My personal life never yeah. crosses into my business right. life. I'm a farmer. You're a farmer? I'm a farmer. I grow things. And finally, what is a story from your childhood that shaped who you are today? Other than the guy in the lawn chair that told me I couldn't do it? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that, that could have That's probably the him. most notable yeah. story of my childhood is when someone said, that something I loved wasn't, uh, that that option wasn't available to me. Well, I think it's staggering that he says women can't. Or well, women, that. But <laughs> but the data shows he's he was right at the time. Yeah. So 605,000 pilots in the United States 35 years ago. 605,000. Less than 5% of the time were women. Really? The difference is, so there's ratings for pilots. You can get your pilot's license, which is basically a license to learn, or you can go all the way and be an instructor or ATP or something. At the time, 25, 30% of the men carrying that rating had ratings of 25% of their potential. 75% of the 32,000 women at the time had reached their the top ratings that you can get. 
The thing that drives me and that drives our director of operations, Angela Terry, because she's a teacher and I'm a pilot, and between the two of us, we can get some things right. done. What drives us is those percentages haven't changed. And we think, whether you're, a, a, you know, whatever your gender is, we think it's because children don't have access to get inside those gates and to get in those cockpits like what you were talking about. Climb through the belly of something right. and think, I want to design this. I want to fly it. I want to maintain it. I want to be an air traffic. All these wonderful jobs, but you can't go visit them because they're behind tall security right, gates. Right, right. And that's what we're breaking down. Well, while we're on the subject of women, just a personal thing for me. Sure. Um, women being inferior. Um, <laughs> two things. So I remember there was a time when if there was a, a pilot on a commercial aircraft, sure. it was a woman, they weren't allowed to say, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, this is because it was a woman and it would frighten everybody. I don't know if you remember that, but I certainly remember those days. Where I they, remember those conversations. I was younger, them. but yeah. And the other it's not thing, the case anymore. And the other thing for me is this whole thing about a woman president, for instance. Well, we can't have a woman president. I don't really understand this whole woman versus man thing. Yeah. I grew up in England when Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister. Wow, yeah. And she was very powerful. Sure. Indira Gandhi. Right. You know, that was all. Why is that that you're still in this country, and I think it is in this country, there is that thing where where a woman can't be this and can't be that. What What yeah. is that all about? I, I, I don't know because I none of my friends look at the world that way. In fact, they don't look at gender at all. No. People based on hard work and rolling up their exactly. sleeves, can do anything that they want. Yeah. And I'm certainly proof of that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think it's a particular mindset that I just don't, A, I'm oblivious if it's around, or B, things are a changing drastically. Right. Because if you get on an airline today, you will see that those numbers, they haven't changed in a big right. way, but they're changing. And, and and that's one of the things we focus on. Right. So you asked about the STEM Expo. And right. We do many other educational right. programs. We had a pilot and an all-female crew, and we will yeah. for lots of them here. Right. And it's not because we're in one corner and not another. It's because if you can see it, you can be it. And we want everybody to see everything, right? right. The faces of this region need to be represented inside those gates at our events. We had a woman, cool one of the coolest chicks I ever met in my life. Her name was Elise Atkins. She's a 747 captain for UPS, and she was the first pilot to deliver the COVID vaccines back when they became available, wow. flying a 747 for UPS. And wow. she's amazing. And she comes out to these events. She doesn't have to. She's a pretty famous pilot, right? She also happens to be a very cool chick that has no problem sitting on the ground in her uniform with a bunch of kids and talking about what's next, right? She brought her all-female crew. She loved it so much in this community. She doesn't live here. This community loved her so much, and she had such a connection that she's coming back this year for Girls in Aviation Day. And you know wow. what she's going to do with her afternoon? She's going to sit on the ground with a bunch of girls and talk about what's next for and them. And when is that? September 23rd at the yeah. air show, Inside yeah. the Gates, a show within a show. Wow. Anybody can go to that? They have to register because yeah. we have, you know, 150 slots and yeah. program tours and right, what's right, next. Right. And Women in Aviation International that's doing programs from Africa to right. to everywhere has sponsored backpacks for them and AOPAs on board. And it's just wonderful. So, um, yeah, if someone wants to go, they can, uh, they can send just us an email register. and we'll get them registered. Um, and it's free. And it's free for a parent and a... a young girl who may have been told maybe it's not for her to come out and find out that it might be for her. Right. 
But Elise Atkins and 100 other female pilots are going to come out and spend time talking to them. And isn't that amazing to have a stage like that? It is. And I'm particularly looking forward to the air show yeah. this year. And I hope everybody, I think everybody should at least go once to sure. the air show. Yeah. Well, we've been speaking with Darcy Brewer, the executive director of the California Capital Air Show. Darcy, thank you very much for taking the time. I'm honored I know to this be is here. a very busy time for you, I think. Well, thank goodness you're close by because yeah. you made it easy. Thank right. you very much. So there you have it, folks. Thank you for listening. Please visit our website, which is www.ranchocordovapodcast.org, where you can listen to past shows. Please send us any comments or show suggestions you may have. My name is Charles Lego, and until next time.